Come up on I'm Daniel Chacon. Welcome to another edition of Words on a Wire. Today, my guest is going to be Richard Montoya. And you probably know him from his incredibly funny appearance on Nacho Libre. He is more than an actor. He is a writer. He is an activist. And he is an incredibly important member of the artistic and activist in the Latino world and in Los Angeles. And his new movie is about to come out. He wrote and directed. It's called Power and Water. And we're going to talk to him about that movie. And um, it's going to be a great show. And on Poem of the Week, I'm going to read a poem by Andres Montoya, who is a cousin of Richard Montoya, their first cousins. And as you know, Andres is the author of The Ice Worker Sings and Other Poems, which won the American Book Award. Unfortunately, uh, this young man, before his book came out, died of leukemia. And so he never got a chance to know how successful and influential his work has become. But we're going to talk to his cousin. It's going to be a great show. I've known Andres for many, many years. When I was a student at California State University, Fresno, Andres and I were roommates and we became best friends. I got to know his family. I got to know Jose Montoya. I got to know um, his father, Malakias, and his uh, little brother, just this little tiny kid named Maceo Montoya, who grew up to be a, an artist in his own right and a, a writer. And we're going to have him on a future show because he just had a new novel. So this is kind of like my friends used to... Uh, joke with Andres and say that he came from Chicano royalty. It's going to be a great show, so please stick around. We'll be talking to Richard Montoya on Words on a Wire. Richard Montoya is an actor and a writer. We know him very well from his appearance on Nacho Libre, uh, the movie Falling Down with uh, Michael Douglas, and his most recent movie, which he wrote and directed and will be premiering in May, which is called Water and Power. He is a founding member of Culture Clash, the comedy group that went on to write incredible plays, and he is also part of the Montoya family. He is the son of the great... Chicano poet Jose Montoya, founder of the Royal Chicano Air Force, and he is also the cousin of Andres Montoya, who is um, the American Book Award winner for The Ice Worker Sings and Other Poems. And Richard Montoya has an incredible commitment to activism, to community, and to art, and we're happy to have him on the show. Richard Montoya, welcome to Words on a Wire. What's happening over there? So you're, are you um, talking to us from East L.A.? I uh, actually, you know, I, my entire life in L.A. has always been between uh, Sunset Boulevard and, and the Hollywood Freeway in the Echo Park area by Dodger Stadium. Oh, nice. But recently, recently my wife and I, we bought a house uh, deep into East L.A., so uh, my upward mobility has taken me further east, and I'm, <laughs> now, I'm now a resident of City Terrace. Uh, a classic old neighborhood full of artists and um, familias. So it, it looks like I'm in a uh, part of Texas out here, but on the east side of, of, of L.A. Oh, that must be nice. You know, you, you have always uh, represented in your work East L.A. I mean, you've always been, you know, very much a part of it. I remember this one joke you told on um, A Bowl of Beans where Chet comes back to life. and. Yeah. Uh, and he's asking about all these countries, you know, how they, they fell, you know, communism fell, the party's over. 
and uh, he says, what about La China? And you go, she lives in Monterey Park. Want me to call her? <laughs> yeah, we'll call her. All righty, man. Hey, I'm not too far from the dim sum corridor now, so. Yeah, it's right next to East Life L.A. Imitates, Life imitates art, but I, I think a lot of people are um, heading heading back, in a sense, to these, these older homes that, you know, where I live in Echo Park there, it was just, man, I, I had uh, hipsters to the right of me, hipsters <laughs> to the left of me, on top of me, behind me, and um, I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. It's, I like to be in a neighborhood where there's other familias. And um, within the first hour we were here, the you know vecinos come over, they knock on the door, they they, they welcome you, you know. And uh, I hadn't talked to one of my neighbors in three years. I hadn't even shared a word. And and I, you know, we're we're kind of old school in that way that we like to know who our, our neighbors are. Yeah. Have you ever been to El Paso? I have been to El Paso. I I went to El Paso just to check it out because I was so curious that about that area and and I, I didn't venture into uh Juarez but I went around El Paso uh took those West Texas highways out to you know places like Marfa and Marathon right, and, yeah. and and um did that journey but I I truth is I I love El Paso I just worked with the artist uh Zeke Peña from um El Paso who did uh, the memorial poster for my father Jose Montoya Oh that was a beautiful so, poster uh, I remember seeing that yeah Give a shout out to Zeke Pena and then Viva Flores, this uh, loca, beautiful uh, spoken word artist. She's based in El Paso. So we're going to head out there. Just There's so many interesting people there, and it's always been a deep kind of uh, resonating place for me. And I know that Austin gets all the attention in, you know, uh, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, but El Paso for me is got that magic to it, yeah. you know, a deep resonance. Well, you know, in many ways, El Paso is like one huge East L.A., Right, we're like we're like eighty percent or more uh, are Latinos, and uh, you were talking about the neighborhood, the neighbors coming over. I when I first moved here, I moved into uh, Kern Place, which is kind of this, you know, hoity-toity neighborhood, and nobody ever ever introduced themselves or even you know waved back. But when I moved to another neighborhood uh, that was more Latino, man, they were bringing over menudo, they were you know, bringing plants and welcoming me into the neighborhood. Yeah, in in uh, El Paso, man, I've been reading up about the, the people that uh, that come from Monterrey or the other side of the border that also choose to live there in a, in a kind of a, a thriving middle class, which makes a certain amount of sense. But I mean, I need I need to go explore um, all of that stuff, you know. Yeah. Well, you are you know certainly a, a very uh, you know accomplished uh, writer, actor, performer, artist. You know, been very influential on uh, the, the Chicano literary and artistic culture, but your father was probably one of the most important poets of of his generation, and continues to be an important poet, Jose Montoya. And your uncle is uh, Malakias Montoya, who is certainly one of the most important art, visual artists of the Chicano movement. What was it like growing or growing up around so many creative, artistic people who were also activists in the Chicano movement? You know, it, it, I I went to the um, L.A. premiere last night of Cesar Chavez, oh, nice. yeah. which is a really beautiful movie, and I'm urging all of all of our raza, but really anyone that respects labor and the story of unions in America, to uh, really go out and support um, this movie. It's going to open March 28th. And I actually worked on that movie. Um, the scenes didn't uh, make it in the final cut, but it, it absolutely, um, he made the right picture that, 
that he had to make. But watching that story and talking to Paul Chavez after the movie, Cesar Sun, I mean, the lives parallel because, you know, there was almost a, a century of the wind, the wind of the century. It, like it, it gathered up our parents and they were, they were on this other kind of mission, you know, to organize and to educate and to use art um, as a political tool in a way. And, 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 and all that time growing up with my brothers and sisters, you know, and we were always working class. It, it, it wasn't a life of privilege. It was a lot of moving and a lot of hard work. We weren't migrant workers, you know, either. But in, in all that time of, of the 60s and the turmoil and Vietnam and, and the Kennedys and Martin and Malcolm and doing all that turbulence, um, I just can't believe how, how much humor there was in our home. <laughs> Right. And, and and how, you know, there was also that, that aspect when Dad got home, there there would be stories, and there were times you waited for your dad to get home, and, and like the Chavez family, it's, you know, a lot of times Dad was out, you know, organizing the Southwest, organizing Aslan, or some poetry reading where, you know... And back in those times, you know, because I've seen footage and video footage, and a lot of those we were at as children... There was always there was a sense of danger sometimes. I mean, when the poets from from Texas came to California and they would go off to Milwaukee, or the New Yorkian poets came from New York. I mean, it could be combustible. You know, there mm-hmm. there there cats named Tigre and <laughs> from El Paso, Ricardo Sanchez. You know, right. uh, from Texas and Raúl Salinas and mixing it up with you know Lorna de Cervantes and, and uh, Roberto Vargas. And, Lucha Corpi, Jose Montoya, I mean, those, you know, they were just heady times in a beautiful, a beautiful thing to watch as a kid. And um, I wrote an article for the Sacramento Bee uh, right after my dad's passing, just tried to capture that entire moment as a child and, and what our dad uh, and our mom both did for us. But I mean, we we had a front row seat in a sense when, when Luis Valdez took my dad's poem and Louis it was performed just for the family in their storefront in Fresno. You know, you, mm. you just, that poem is indelibly etched, you know, inside your brain. So I, I actually keep a lot of people posted on this on, um, believe it or not, my, my uh, Facebook page, Richard Montoya. But I, I post, and they can find a lot of these postings and a lot of links to these articles because the challenge now, brother, is, is keeping um, Jose and his work, uh, his living legacy, like, vibrant, and, and also uh, very much in the way that you have been doing for my cousin, Andres Montoya, yet again, another poet, another Montoya poet, you know, you want to keep their works out there and vibrant, because it, it's as if they wrote it this morning uh, or yesterday. Mm-hmm. We honored Jose in Sacramento at the largest venue we could find, and there were, you know, lines around the block, his name up in lights, you know, we had to turn away 300 people in Luis Valdez and Lorna D and Ana Castillo, Eddie Olmos and Dolores Huerta, Paul Chavez, Arturo Rodriguez. And and a three hour night, brother, and I mean I could tell you we barely scratched the surface yeah. of life, you know. Told a lot of stories. Um the National Compadre Network, the guys from the Circulo de los Hombres, Frank Molina, uh, these are people in Sacramento that just really made it happen and, and across the state. And I'm telling you, for Chicanos, man, January 23rd, you you really you wanted and you needed to be in Sacramento. I mean, it's it was like people came from New Mexico, Texas, Colorado, um, L.A., of course, Fresno, 
San Francisco. It was just it was just white hot with you know literary fire for Jose and, and my uncle Malakias got up and told a couple beautiful stories, you know, really about growing up in the campos and sometimes living in sheds with no roofs on them. And you know, they they they're from the generation of the fields again, circling back to Chavez. You know, we're we're really just a generation or two removed, you know, from from people that that worked in in, in the fields, and I think that's why we have such a deep respect for for the campesinos. And Jose was doing exactly what Cesar was doing, and that was humanizing the farm worker. Mm. You know, it's been a, it's been an incredible journey. You know, Andres uh, Montoya, the poet, your your cousin. The son of Monarchias and I were roommates for many years, and I learned about your father through Andres. And one of the things that I, I guess I'm beginning to think of right now is your father was funny. I mean, his poems were funny, and just to hang around with him, everybody, he would crack everybody up. I guess it makes sense that you started Culture Clash, which is you know, an incredibly funny comedy. Can you tell us a little bit about how you started Culture Clash? Well, I mean, it was 1984 in the Mission District of San Francisco with Rene Yanez at the Galeria de la Raza. I mean, 84 wasn't a particularly, you know, funny time. We, the Chicano movement or the United Farm Workers movement had, had kind of seen its better days, but it was kind of settling into the mid-80s. But, you know, Nicaragua and El Salvador were on fire, and the Mission District in San Francisco was epicenter for that, so... You know, it's not like that Chilenos in Berkeley were exactly embracing, you know, a Chicano comedy group. You know? uh-huh. And it, we had an explosive, you know, beginning. And, and, and just a few years after us, uh, Chicano Secret Service was coming out of Cal, you know, at Berkeley. So we were like competing, you know, kind of comedy groups and not always getting it right and going off to uh, Yukon or finding ourselves somewhere other than friendly territory and upsetting some feministas and <laughs> upsetting a politica. And, and, it, and right. it took years, man. It, it took at least till the early 90s when we really stopped doing comedy clubs and stopped doing sketch and really started writing plays. And for us, that gave us a whole new lease on life when we realized that we could write these plays and, and infuse... The comedy with a more, I guess, just make sure that the that the politica was was in its place, that, that our works could be more thoughtful sometimes, always funny, and so right around Bowl of Beans, it just the world changed, and then after Bowl of Beans came a series of plays that while they were they could be humorous and funny, they would also explore right. the the darker sides of you know, what was going on in our lives. So, you know, if, if there was a shooting in someone's life or there was um, uh, an event uh, or if we were still questioning or exploring our identity, these were these were now important things. And then all those people that we, we had pissed off in the Bay Area, they suddenly um, overnight uh, in five years <laughs> began to, to be um, supporters of Culture Clash. And then, and then something happened right around the time Cesar died and we went to his funeral, like everyone knew who we were, and we weren't ready for that. We didn't understand how everybody knew who we were, and of course, we just turned that right back and and made sure that we were always remembering and honoring Cesar in our work, right. and so there was a piece that was all about Cesar and his passing, and and the, and the work just continued through through the years with plays like Chavez Ravine and 
and water and power, and then the site-specific stuff. We'd go to towns uh, like San Diego, Tijuana. We, we'd go to uh, Washington, D.C., go to New York, New York and Miami. We'd write plays about those areas, you know, and um, the work changed again. You know, it wasn't just Chicano-centric. It was, you know, anyone living in the margins that could be, you know, African-American prisoners in Miami-Dade uh, prison system. It could be farm workers in Homestead, Florida. It could be... Uh, anyone, you know, New Yorkian poets or queer activists in San Francisco, we took it all on. That work continues, you know, to this day. Just a couple of weeks ago, Culture Clash did a 30-year anniversary show in Orange County, and I got news for you, man. There's a lot of raza in Orange County. There yeah. is a lot of problems <laughs> with police authority and ICE and INS and just really coming down on the barrios of Santa Ana. And this is just a few blocks from Costa Mesa and the beach community. There's millions of Rasa, and it always has been, from Anaheim to Santa Ana to Irvine to Fullerton. And those cops, they bust heads out there, man. And it really pisses us off that, you know, not one but two Latino males were killed by uh, police authorities last year. So we have our Trayvon Martins going on. You know, we're, we're not just able to escape all this and go do comedy somewhere. No, it, it, in fact, in fact, brother, I'd say the work is deepening and the urgency is, is ever more clear to... In the case of uh, Culture Clash and myself, and the, the real legacy that I carry from Jose and, and that Andres was a bit younger than me, but even he had the gift, too, was the same gift that's a bit of a burden is to be a storyteller. We've got to tell these stories. Right. Then. Well, let's talk a little bit about Water and Power. This started out as a play, and then you adapted it into a, a movie, and it's just been released. There was this interview I read where you were talking about how... Walter Mosley helped you with this. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I went through this wonderful uh, writer's program, the uh, Sundance Institute, Robert Redford's institution that, that really wants to find stories, uh, help develop stories, help us be better storytellers. And in, in, in that Sundance Institute, they have very dedicated to Native American stories, you know, Latino stories, uh, stories from Iraq, Iran, African-American, uh, any movie you can think of, you know, from Fruitvale Station to Pariah to a lot of movies have come through the Sundance Institute, and that's no accident. That's, that's the best place you can possibly find yourself as a first-time screenwriter and director, and I was lucky enough to find myself at Sundance, and they provide these advisors for you, and my advisors were... You know, everyone from Alfre Woodard to Mr. Mosley to um, just just a who's who of, you know, the guy that wrote Boys in the Hood or the guy that worked on The Godfather or there you are in the mountains of Utah, the Sundance Resort, and, you know, working with these incredible writers. And, of course, you want to impress them, but, you know, um, <laughs> some, a lot of times your script isn't ready, and that's what you work on. For You know, I worked on Water and Power was a stage play in 2006. It didn't really... We weren't ready to film it till 2012. And and then it, I shot it in, in 12 nights, but then it took 12 months to edit it. Mm. And what we came up with at the end is, is what we're releasing May 2nd, Segundo de Mayo, in 23 theaters in Los Angeles uh, to San Diego. And if we do well that weekend, the next weekend we'll be in places like El Paso and right. Austin and San Antonio. So... I know a lot of your listeners have, you know, familia and second cousins and 
and people they don't talk to anymore in L.A., but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Chicano Cheeseman is still faster than the yeah. Internet, man. they gotta, they got to help us get the word out that, that uh, Water and Power, a true independent Chicano cinema story, I'm, I'm just up front with it. It, it. It's not, you know, a general story about Hispanic heritage. No, this is a very, this is a very uh, Chicano story about brothers that get caught up in a, in the corruption mm-hmm. of being elected officials and, you know, high-powered cops and, and the homies on the street. And in the end, a very redemptive story about staying true to the promise of Cesar and the promise of right. the movement, but all of that gets lost in the course of one night, but then comes back again. So just one more time for your listeners, March 28th for Cesar, let's make Chavez the number one movie in the country. That opens up nationwide. You've got to fill up every Cineplex and go watch the right. story of, of this amazing man. And then March, uh, May, May 2nd, Segundo de Mayo, don't go uh, to the wet t-shirt contest at the <laughs> Applebee's. <laughs> or a Mexican night at, at TJ yeah. Go to the Cineplex, man, and, and watch these beautiful movies so that we can ensure that there's mm. more movies. Movies by Mujeres, movies by young kids, movies, 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 you know? You know, I will be in L.A. on May 2nd, so I'll definitely go and bring a bunch of people. And, you know, the the wonderful thing about this movie, I haven't seen it, obviously. Uh, I, I missed the um, the film festival that you did uh, when you when you premiered it in Hollywood. But um, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but one of the things that I know about it, just based on what I read, is it honors not only the Chicano story in L.A. and how the Chicanos are so much a part of the history of L.A. and the meaning of L.A., but it also honors literary Los Angeles in terms of the uh, the noir aspect of it. Well, yeah, you know, thanks for pointing that out, because I wanted to, uh, well, going back from the stage play, it, you know, and the, the, the hard lesson about theaters, theater is a... A venue for for language and and film is really a language for visuals and cinematic. So how to turn LA into a visual kind of poem is really what Water and Power is. And and through the words of a a guy that you might find on the street, a homeboy, a cholo, whatever you want to call him, that really runs the streets of LA in a wheelchair of all things. Uh, he is the storyteller of Water and Power, and so he does it in a kind of a poetic way that. That, that L.A. is still a desert, and the desert can still hurt you, and mm. and the mother ditch, the Sanja Madre, the, the, the water valve in Chinatown, whoever controlled that historically in L.A., going back to the early days of the aqueduct in Mulholland, whoever controlled the water valves of Chinatown controlled the city of L.A. So, wow. you know, how poetic is that? And I, and I didn't <laughs> want to just mimic, I didn't want to just mimic film noir, I wanted to add to it, I wanted yeah. to add to language so that we could have lines that are, you know, nothing is concrete in L.A., you know, except the river, you know, and the fact that L.A. is not for everybody and that, you know, when they go looking for muscle, they go looking for the tough guys, they, they you know, they got to go to places like Frogtown and they've got to go out into, you know, the far reaches of the east side and that there's, you know, and, and then the idea of water and, and an environmental message in a Chicano film what the brothers are fighting for is a million trees for the east side of L.A. so that they could uncement that river and, and plant a hundred trees on the Cesar Chavez River Parkway. So again, Cesar factors in. And it's really part of the same movement of Chavez. I don't want to say, like, I'm Diego Luna or, or these movies are exactly the same. They're very different. It's just 45 years later, after Chavez, you've got Water and Power, 
and you've got a cautionary tale for all those ambitious Hispanics that, that we don't want them to forget where they came from. That's all. Yeah. You know? We've been talking to Richard Montoya, writer and director of Water and Power, which will premiere uh, May 2nd in Los Angeles, and then we hope all over the country after that. We wish you the best success with this movie. It's necessary, and thank you so much for, you know, for being out there and representing and creating great art. Hey, brother, thank you, and thank all your listeners. And listen, uh, honestly, hit me up at, at uh, Water and Power Movie on Facebook, Water A-N-D Power or my own Facebook page. This took a little doing, and when I go out to old EPT, I want to put on a tacuche and have you guys show me around. Is it Chico's Tacos? What do you guys, you got some crazy taqueria out there, right? Yeah, yeah, Chico's Tacos, they're crazy about it here. But, you know, I'm from California, and I just don't get the Chico's Taco thing, because what they do is they drink the juice. <laughs> Dude, I ate, <laughs> These I ate tacos soaking I, in juice. I, 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 yeah, I'm, I, almost, I almost died, but they were good, though. Yeah, yeah, they are, they are tasty, but... Um, Thank you My so much. shot up to passage tunnel <laughs> orbit uh, level. <laughs> hey, well, thank you for knowing so much about the Montoyas, and thank you for all the great work that uh, you've done with my my cousin Andres, man, and uh, editing his works. And that's 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 like carrying water. That's what the film's all about. So Chavez, March twenty eighth, uh, May second, Seguro de Mayo, Water and Power in Los Angeles. Tell all your familia in LA, man. Really appreciate it, brother. Absolutely. Thank you, Richard. Orale el paso. Andale. Good night. For Poem of the Week, I'm going to read an unpublished poem from Andres Montoya. This poem comes from his posthumous manuscript called Colonization, which is forthcoming in about, oh, about a year, I would say, from Bilingual Press. And this particular poem is called Tree. And these are poems that he wrote right before he died of leukemia at the age of 30. Tree. Did you crawl from a swamp to rest at last on that man's back? Or did you have purpose even in the mouth of the poet, weeping on a Tuesday in the afternoon as the sun was beginning its long walk to the sea? Or perhaps you were born from the skin of that man, learning at the first the way flesh parts to allow the body's sap to flow, Onto a world wounded by its own hand? Did you begin, too, to weep? Did you hate the men who did this thing, who showed angels and demons the way we paint the canvas of history? Or did you say, bow, bow, and receive your kingdom of meat? I tell you, I am only a boy. I, too, moan with you. As the body of wind enters like a stone opening its mystery, this is how one finds his knees. Tell me, what did it feel like to understand first the mystery of a veil torn in two? What swamp did you crawl from to rest at last on the back of that broken man? Or were you born on the highest hill of the dump shaped like a skull? That was Tree by Andres Montoya.
I'd like to thank Richard Montoya for joining us on today's show. Uh, make sure you go and see that movie. Support Latino movies. Go see Cesar Chavez and go see Water and Power. I know it's going to be a fantastic movie. I'd like to thank uh, Andres Montoya for leaving behind so many good poems for us to read. And I look forward to his posthumous book coming out in about a year. I'd like to thank our producer, Norma Martinez, for making life easy for us. I'm Daniel Chacon. Join me next week for another edition of Words on a Wire. And don't forget, the next book you read may save your life. I'm up on a tiny wire. One side's ice and one is fire.